0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Southern California. This is where the ghosts of the orange groves and avocado orchards haunt the battalions of strip malls and industrial parks, the land where Eden Abi and Gypsy Boots trod the beaches and planted the herbs. This place is so exotically bitchin', you just want to hug it into your bosom, a place where the astral plane meets reality. It is solid, spiritual, it is everything, and nothing. This is the most flaming heterosexual you will ever hear, or Vandal Drummond. And his co-host, Alfredo Esparza. Alfredo, you switched the tunes up on us, I I see. It's it's Mr. Niebla's intro now.
0: That's beautiful. You know, even
1: though I've heard that song before, this is the first time I've listened to it and thought, the music is slightly reminiscent of some of the tunes you would hear in some of the old Santo and Blue Demon movies.
2: It hurt my ear a bit, though. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they don't quite have anything on Calle Trece, but yeah. still,
2: very but, cool. But, I mean, the intro for that song is much better with Mr. Niebla.
1: Yes, oh, I do agree. Gonna... Which, Speaking of which, I am so craving a CMLL dose. I have not seen any CMLL for a while. I need a Felino fix. I need Negro Casas and Mr. Niebla. I have so much I want to watch.
2: You've been watching Triple A, though, so that's
1: good. I watched Triple A, and the first thing I want to point out, I watched last Sunday's show. I should say most of it, thanks to the uh, brilliant innovation of DVR. I was able to skip through the lengthy commercials and the occasions where I just thought, eh, filler. Yeah, the really long promos and all that other stuff, right? Exactly. The, oh man, you can just speed things up. But what I I just love is that very thing i bitched about a few months ago all the shots of the crowd right in the middle of high spots they have reduced that dramatically there is a lot less of that these days yeah they've been cutting back
2: on that i mean i don't i think CML still does it quite a bit but aaa's kind of kind of gone a little they bit.
1: really have they've really cut back and it i mean they were doing it to preposterous levels a few months ago yeah it well, they still do it though <laughs> they do it but not nearly as badly like you weren't seeing the climax of the match and then you know, a shot of some retard shoving a hot dog in his ear or something like that. Maturing, <laughs> cheering, you know.
2: Yeah, they are maturing. Well, at least they were, if they were cheering, that's good. When they're asleep is when I start worrying about
1: it. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I was what was funny, they would always go to the shot of the same person over and over again, like somebody was stalking the fan, had a fetish for them or something.
2: Well, I've noticed they've been catch- going with um, women now, so it's, a, it's at least that's a good thing now.
1: So it's easy to get into the mind of the cameraman and what he is thinking, what his intentions are. You know what I was going to put in as uh, one of the songs we were going to play? What would that Uh, be?
2: I don't know if you've been on the figure four message board.
1: No, I have not.
2: Well, recently one of their posters uh, put up, um, I guess he uploaded onto the internet, um, Terry Funk's Japan album, The Great Texan*.
1: I heard that brought up on the Brian and Vinny show. And what's Heart. funny, I completely forgot there there was such an album. Well,
2: you should forget about it.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> that, so
2: bad.
1: Yeah. That painful, huh?
2: Yeah, oh it's totally lord. Bad. I think it, Japan. I think the first, the first I'm sorry. Time has like, first, the first time has like Jimmy Hart trying to be like Japanese or something. I don't know.
1: <laughs> that would be worth the price alone.
2: Well, actually, I mean, it's worth download. It's it's worth it for the downloading, but I mean, it's not like something you're gonna consider that great. You know? You're
1: not going to go hunting for it on eBay. Yeah, you're, like you're not you're not going to want to buy it, basically. Japan was so ahead of its time as far as selling gimmicks in the '80s. If if there was something wrestling that wasn't nailed down, they would sell it in Japan. This is the first place I've ever been where there's actually been a pro wrestling store, a store that sold nothing but pro wrestling merchandise. Yeah.
2: Before the Rob Feinstein
1: era. Exactly, before the internet and you know all that jazz, yeah, um so what did you think of triple a what did you what I did enjoyed you it, I especially enjoyed, I believe it was uh Jack Evans and Charlie Manson,
2: uh-huh,
1: against Teddy Hart and Chessman, yeah, did teddy I get the teams has, correct yeah, they're pretty awesome, good.
2: they're really good. I'm um, Jack Evans and teddy
1: i that stood out more than anything on the show to me. I, and I love the tension that uh, Hart and Evans are building together. Yeah. And the more I watch him, the more I really like Jack Evans. I mean, i oh, yeah. never disliked him in the first place, but that guy's, uh, ah, what do I say? That guy's excellent.
2: Yeah, you've got to watch the Triple Mania show.
1: Yes, the, I, I'm actually looking forward to it now. The, the now, main, the, just to check myself 100%. I hope I didn't DVR the fast speed too, too much, but there exactly. were no uh, Pimpinela and gato spots, were there?
2: Um, I don't remember.
1: I don't think there were any of this last I weekend, but were. they I are think... continuing. Yeah, they're, uh, they're still
2: doing it. They're still doing it because they're going to be, um, I guess they're going to go on a date sometime in the future.
1: Excellent. Now, if they get married, will he be Pimpinela ever ready? Yeah, actually he is. Excellent imagine imagine they have a kid or something then they would wouldn't that cats. be sweet? Oh, that would be bitching that would be so bitching a little transvestite cat a little mini they could get a mini to dress as like that. Oh, that would be sweet and have it have it grow, like have it start as a mini, then have it be adolescent, then it'd be this whole full formed adult exotico with like breasts and everything, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, you know, fulfill what uh, Dustin Rhodes wasn't able to in WWE. Well, you know, you know, they they still they might actually do like
2: what I I think they should do is have uh, like a Eureka feuding with Kingpinella over Gato Everready. That would be very cool. Point,
1: which I, I you know would... I'm I'm starting to get hooked on AAA. Uh, CMLL still still the okay. ideal for me. Still I still enjoy nice. the CMLL, but AAA is growing on me. And all I had to do was take one glance at Sergeant Slaughter on Raw, I'd switch the channel, yeah. and then the next day found out from Brian and Vinny that it sucked just as much as I thought it would. I saw I saw you I saw on your
2: um, Twitter that you I guess you watched the Piven episode.
1: Oh, that was hysterical Summerfest! I know everybody and their brother has talked about it, but Summerfest still busts me up. I did not watch that show. Although I oddly found Dr. Ken kind of funny. I know I'm in the minority here. You know, I like
2: Piven in um, Entourage,
1: but I can't stand him. This is where I get really embarrassed, and this is where I really show my age. I know of the show Entourage. I know that Mark Wahlberg produces it, but I had no idea who Piven was, and I was especially embarrassed when I heard that all the boys in the dressing room were falling all over him like he was somebody special and I had sure. never heard of Dr. Ken until the show He, but he, uh, I don't know <laughs> I dug him in a weird Tom Green or Jesse Camp kind of way in
2: a way where in within a week you'll be tired of him <laughs>
1: right? I yeah, I could see him growing tired of, yeah um, I could see gotta, him wearing very uh, very soon we got a caller <clears throat> we got a caller, who's there?
2: hold on, there he is you're on the air, caller. Hello. 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 He's not answering, Odessa. Is he calling? Us. Are you calling,
1: Kalek? Hello. Hello. Uh, can you hear us? Maybe you he can't I hear can
3: us,
1: I hear you. We're here. Who is this? Silent. Odessa,
2: are you on on the phone? Oh, this is awkward. Oh. I well, our first it. call was Steve Sims. There we don't know who to... He's on the phone. He's on, he's on.
1: He's on, but he can't hear us.
2: Uh-oh. Suddenly it's I bo- feel like some bo- sort of a phantom. Now. Typical blog talk radio. Let's blame blog talk radio for this.
1: Let's blame blog talk radio. Hey, maybe we have to jump to a... Oh, I don't know, to a lesser company. A lesser uh, blog Whoa. talk. Yeah, he's on. I clicked it again. <laughs> Oh. This is so amusingly awkward. Yep, he's on. Odessa,
2: are you on?
3: I'm here. Oh, there he is. Can you hear What's me? Up? Yeah, we, we can, can hear you. <laughs> can you hear us? I can hear you. Awesome. It, is
1: this Odessa? Yes, it is. Oh man, finally. Uh, good to good to hear your voice, man.
3: You too. Well, oh, as I uh, as I teased on Twitter the other day, I had a stalker question for you.
1: Yes, I don't know if I can answer it, but I'll do my damnedest if it's a subjective one, I could probably answer it
3: Yes, it's subjective
1: <laughs> excellent
3: what is your what is your favorite uh stalker character?
1: You know the very first time I saw stalker Ichikawa
3: was at
1: uh Fredo's place about maybe six seven years ago and I think it was very basic stalker where he had just the full bodysuit, and it was when he he tore off his shirt like it was a piece of fruit roll or something like that, and I thought, this guy is it. this is the guy they should be pushing to the top. and then he jobbed see i I looked at him and thought, this is some cool little Martian character that you've seen from one of the old blue demon movies. Even Martin Car de Gion couldn't have dreamed up something this bizarre. I mean, Car de Gion, yes, he could have dreamed up something more bizarre, but this was bizarre with an aura that was all its own. This was... Stalker was beautifully twisted. And as far as well, the other are, characters...
3: Well, have you seen when he dresses up as other people? I guess that's what I meant, if, if I wasn't clear. I got to
1: what you're saying. I, now, I've seen... I've got to say, uh, I haven't seen enough Stalker because I've only seen, seen one or two of those situations. The one I've really seen was Ebison
3: yeah, doing that's Stan players, uh, I may have to dig through my archives and send you some links, but I know uh, like, I've seen him as Liger. Oh. I've, seen him as, I've seen him as Chono. <laughs> I've seen him really as Flare. Now, the Flare,
1: that would rock. Um, now, with Claire, anyway, what does he do? Is it a blonde
3: wig? Yeah, he comes... Uh, if I remember right, he has, like, a blonde wig, like, over the mask that eventually comes off. And he comes out wearing the robe. <laughs> and I don't recall... I'm trying to think, because almost all of those times, this is when he was, you know, perpetually feuding with Taru. And mm-hmm. so, Taru would also dress up. There are... I know there's a number of times when, like, Stalker will be dressed as Liger, and Taru will be dressed as Ultimo.
1: See, this, yes, if you could send me some of those, any links to any of that, or you could send me any video, anything, because Stalker Ichikawa, much as I love him, I am really undereducated about his history. I'm just learning a lot about him. His whole presence just, I think, is just exquisite. I gotta, and I got to tell you guys, we
2: have another caller in, on the line.
1: Whoa! When it rains, it pours. Well, who do we from have? The, from the six one nine. Six one nine. I bet I know who this is. This is the it. doc.
0: Yes. Let me see if will You're slomming, You'll just take anybody as a caller these days.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> it's, I like, mean, it's like it's like when I was telling somebody about Dr. Jerry uh, Graham. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, going out with transvestite hookers, and they're saying, how could he do that? And I said, when you're 54 years old, are 400 pounds, have bleached blonde hair, and live in a flop house, you cannot beg.
0: <laughs> well, i have get three more years to go. I don't know about you, Mark, but... <laughs> <laughs> how many pounds? <laughs> oh, a hundred, 110, 120 at least.
1: Yes, beggars <laughs> cannot be choosers.
0: why the way, they for a good bio on Stalker, for a good bio on Stalker, I recommend standtheembryo dot com comment section. Oh, that's a fun one.
1: And in fact, that's my plea here: is I love getting honest to God comments rather than multiple spams on the comment section telling us how we can enlarge our penises and how we can easily find porn <laughs> easily. <laughs> easily? Oh yeah, yeah we easier trying. than ever. Find crazy porn now, you know. So, so Mark,
0: are you still on the line? Yes, I am. So let me get this straight: Vic signs with the Eagles, and then Les Paul commits immediate suicide.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I couldn't blame ball. him, I, As as I've been writing tonight, I said this this almost makes me want to listen to WIP tonight to <laughs> so listen to insane insane Eagle fans complaining. <laughs>
2: When did this happen, though? When did he sign? Just earlier today? or
3: Both of those events occurred just
0: within minutes of each other earlier today. Jeez.
3: No, no. Les Paul had passed away this morning or the afternoon. Yeah, he afternoon. passed away in the morning, I think. 94 years old. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't <laughs> that when Levin actually...
0: Anyway, I, I want to get back off so Kurt and Fredo can actually have their own show, but... <laughs> Stalker, isn't oh, he Isn't he just a knockoff of the Diabolo character in Titanes in a Ring?
1: He is a very, you know what, as twisted as Diabolo was in Titanics and the Ring, there's something very, even more twisted about Stalker in that he seems oddly human. A
0: little too well, human. Take Diabolo will dance with, with William Boo. I mean, how, more, how much more human can you get than
1: dancing with William Boo? Oh, that was sweet. With P.B. Diaz. Now, Odessa, <laughs> have you seen this clip?
0: I have no, seen it. I've... Now, this anyway, is... It... Maybe I'll we'll sign on and call back a little later so you guys can have a have a show.
1: <laughs> yeah, but call back, okay? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I'll call back towards the end.
1: Okay, okay sounds thanks. bitchin'. Okay. Oh, Odessa, have you seen that clip with the Diablo? Uh,
3: maybe it doesn't it doesn't ring a bell, but I could have seen it.
1: I'm gonna post it on Stand the Embryo after this show. Yeah, I think Dr. Lucha had the link, didn't he? He did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. I I, I mean, going just say that.
2: Go ahead.
1: Go ahead, Odessa.
3: Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that that I remember, like, when, the first time I saw Stalker was, like, on the very first Mon tape out there. So, like, right when it started. And the thing was, and I think you said you may have seen this match, but uh, when he comes out, he actually, like, gives his little bit parts to the girls in the crowd. Like, he, like, he really is like trying to pick them
1: yes and well that's what I like what I love about it is especially in a place like Japan where it's such a you know traditional pro wrestling uh, center it's really good to see people let loose and use their imagination you know the first time I saw him was on um, I think
2: one of the IWRG shows really yeah, I think he worked on one of the one of the shows early on.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, Toramon, I thought, you know, is one of the most imaginative groups that are out there. And sometimes I almost hate that they, you know, pour so much pure wrestling and work rate into their stuff when they could just, you know, dip into their, you know, psychedelic battalion. I oh, mean, yeah, there's like, a lot of imagination put into this baby. The,
2: the, the funny thing about Dragon Gate is that all their, like, all their... Like the movesets that they use, it's basically just like lucha, like all the like the the submissions. The free, you know, all those wacky submission moves. Oh, exactly. And then all of a sudden somebody sees it for the first time in Dragon Gate and it's like, Oh my god, that's the first time I've ever seen that. <laughs> <They're> innovative <laughs> and it's like no We just watched a lot of lucha. What's old is new.
0: Playing.
1: What's old is new.
3: Well, I think that I think it's great that you know, like the Dragon Gate shows in the United States are like they're working with Mike Quackenbush and Bush Chikara
0: because
3: yeah. you know they both, you know, have the connection with Skyda. Yeah. But like they're they're two companies that like should work really well together. Yeah, Definitely
1: should. And yeah. I've said it before, I think Chikara, that is one group I would love to see actually have a bonafide budget to work with because it looks like Mike Quackenbush has this imagination that is only held back by, you know, being able to, you know, just Run on a really small budget and have a really uh, you know low budget videotapings.
3: If you I could actually get I a TV that that show,
1: tournament, the tournament they,
2: they didn't supposedly
3: were going to have TV Italy of all places, like or so ago. and I don't recall off the top of my head if that actually ever came to fruition because I know they were having problems with it, but yeah. You know, being you know so close to the promotion and seeing them all the time, it's like yeah, like a lot of the fans are like, you know, this is a show that would be great on like Saturday morning TV or a channel like G Four or something like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: I think they're really uh, just you know. Usually, I'm not into you know putting a whole uh, rainbow of special effects or budget into into something like pro wrestling. But Chikara is the exception. There is so much that can be done with that group. I think Mike Wackenbush has one of the most fertile minds in the business. And, man, I hope they go places.
3: Well, I uh, will also, for anybody listening on the East Coast, to tie this all together, um, there are Young Lions this weekend. And Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, sort of up around Easton Arena, um, Masquerita Dorada and Pirojito are working.
2: Oh, very cool, Masquerita
3: Dorada. And I know today it's uh, Jorge Rivera and Turbo are working. They're all working in a tag. And I think Sunday working against each other. So you know, for people who want to see real lucha like here around Philly or Pennsylvania, there's real a really good chance. Yeah, down in. That should be that
2: should be a lot of fun to go watch that on. Um,
1: yes. Yeah,
2: I mean now Odessa, you get a
1: chance to see Masquerita Dorada live. It's worth it. <laughs> now <laughs> Odessa show, really good. We know you you hit Comic Con a few weeks ago. How was that?
3: Exactly. That's I think That's the really the only word for it. I mean, when you put one hundred and thirty thousand people in a convention center. Not it's fun and not fun all at the same time.
0: <laughs>
1: it sounds like it's it's really. Uh, it sounds like it, it's
3: you know just
1: gotten a lot more popularity than any of them speculated it could have because I've been hearing a lot of stuff. Well,
3: it's funny. I stopped going. I used to go every year, and I stopped going four or five years ago. When it got too big, and it was half the size it is now. So wow. I had stopped. Yeah, so I had stopped going. and It wasn't until I had some, like, business things to try and work on the show this year. Plus, it was sort of a whole... Va- I only went to the competition, actually, for one day, because most people go for four days. But I went in town early, uh, had dinner, and went to a baseball game with a certain other company to show. Um, Went to San Francisco saw Miyazaki speak at Cal Berkeley. So it was sort of a wild vacation week for me, and the was only just a small part of it, and actually sort of like the least enjoyable part of the whole week for me.
1: Now, did you just want to scream? Was it just frustrating being just a few miles away from the border and not being able to go see Lucha Libre because of the uh, conditions in Tijuana?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I certainly known ever since, you know, like I told Steve that I was coming, and he's just like, I wish we could go, but, you know, <laughs> we can't. Because, like, I've been two or three times when, like I said, I used to go to Comic-Con every year. And, like I said, I I told you before I went with Eric. And, you know, and the funniest funny story that I told, him, told Steve the other day was the first time we went, there. the main event was a six-man with Santo on one side and maybe Parka and somebody else, and I do not remember who those were. And we were sitting, like, in the very first row, and mm-hmm. we had been on earlier in the show. And it was in the third fall, and the third fall is going along, and all of a sudden I see all of this extra security slowly make its way down to ringside and surrounded barricades. Oh which point I wouldn't oh, I said, uh-oh, Santo's doing the job in the third fall. <laughs> and he did. If they were just prepared in case there were, there were angry fans.
1: Oh, that's hysterical.
3: Yeah, it, it, it yeah. has
1: actually been a good 15 years, no, actually, more like 17 years since I've hit Tijuana. And I think almost every time I would see Santa on one of the shows. It was always a six-man tag, and was always setting up the mask angle, and it always got heat.
3: It's, it's funny worked. that uh, like a couple times we went, we actually I think both times there was nobody in our party trip that actually spoke Spanish, but one year we did had two we had two guys from Italy, which was close. We like we had been just. Go through the border get a taxi. Say auditorio. Go to the building. Check out. Find a taxi. Say go to the border, and that's it. So that's
1: what we did too. Do like really time. did anything tourist. Yeah. No, I never drove my car into Tijuana. I we always took a taxi. The funniest thing that would happen to us is sometimes we would go up to a taxi that was a huge station wagon sized taxi, <laughs> and you'd see a bunch of like you know, uh, blonde college chicks and, uh, you know, you a know, couple of guys with them. And the guy says, here, here, uh, you know, want to show the taxi with them? We're going to Revolution Avenue. And we'd say, oh, we're going to the auditorio. And they'd look at us kind of puzzled because back then the only gringos who went there were going to go party on Revolution Avenue. And uh, <laughs> the other funny thing that would happen is every time we would uh, – Come back from the auditorio. We'd always have a bag full of all the you know gimmicks we bought at the matches, from the lucha libre magazines to the masks to whatever. We were marks for all that stuff. And as we'd go over the border, uh, the border security would stop us and look through our bags, and you know they'd kind of chuckle when they saw what it was. But it would be me, uh, Fisico, Greg Regalado, and then there was this guy named Steve who was a good buddy of ours, but Steve was the most buttoned-down, straight-laced-looking guy you would ever see, and he'd feel so insulted because they would look through uh, all of our bags, everybody's bags, to make sure we didn't have drugs you know, or an overabundance of booze. But when Steve would walk up, they would just say, oh, yeah, you can go ahead. He looked like the most harmless person in the world, and <laughs> poor guy
3: took great offense to that. <laughs> I was. Uh, it's funny. The one year that we went, I think I I told see this when we were there. That uh, I remember, like writing in the like, column when I came back. I said, Who would have thought that the best match on the show would be between a bestie tr- and a guy dressed like Parka with a Superman look on his chest? <laughs> what what because, was this? <laughs> the, like the, like the match that we saw the one time was between Pimpy and Superparka.
1: Okay, got you. you. You cut out there for a few seconds, so I didn't quite get uh, so all I that. Said,
3: <laughs> I said I wouldn't have guessed that the best match was between, like, the transvestite and the guy dressed like La Parca wearing the Superman logo. <laughs> I love it.
1: That's one of the things about Lucha Libre is, is you know, we heard all these, you know, stereotypes and, you know, talk about how traditional uh, Mexico is and how, you know, Conservative they are, but man, they were way ahead of the curve as far as cross dressing goes, especially <laughs> with uh, Lucha Libre. I remember before Pimpinela, the most uh, famous you know exotico tag team was uh, Bayo Greco and Sergio El Hermoso. Bayo Greco being the father of Winners, or I'm sorry, um, uh, Super Calo. Super callo. getting them mixed up here. And the Stones,
2: don't forget the Stones.
1: Yeah, exactly. Alan the Rolling Stones, <laughs> Alan and Rolling Stones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Alan, did you just say Alan and Rolling Stones? Yep, Alan and Rolling Stone. That's what they always are to me. <laughs> um, that was a good tag team, though. That was a good tag team, and yeah. I first saw them in 1981. And back then, there was no American promoter who would ev- even thought of it. I know that Chris Colt was interested in Wasn't doing. They doing the gimmick. I'm sorry? Adrian Street? Adrian Street, yeah, he came in 1982, and that was the first time they really let that gimmick loose.
2: Yeah, but it was in Florida, right? Where he first...
1: Actually, Los Angeles. Los Angeles, okay. Yeah, he came to Los Angeles early in 1982, and he hung here until summer. Then he went to Tennessee, I think it was Tennessee was next, and then to Florida, if I remember correctly. I might have my timeline a little backwards, but I do know that Los Angeles was his first stop. Before Los Angeles, he wrestled for Carlos Menas in U.W.A. Hated it. <laughs> yeah, he hated it, and that's because yeah. he sucked uh, as far as the Mexican style. In fact, I'll never forget, he told me how much he couldn't stand Bayo Greco and Sergio Hel- Hermoso. Well, you know the thing, I think he, when, when you hate it, you're not going to get it. If you're going to go in and
2: not be, like, try it, not even give it a chance, you're not going to make it.
1: Oh, exactly. Well, you know, especially a lot of old school wrestlers are very traditional and very set in their ways, and yeah, not just wrestlers, just people in general. I mean, Adrian Street, you know, was really good with his gimmick. Yeah. But as far as in ring, I think people kind of overstate how good he was actually as a technical wrestler. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, there's so many guys who've gone to Mexico and done re- you know, they've
2: done relatively well or better than they did in the U.S. I mean, Marco Carleone, I mean, who would have thought he was going to be <laughs> a big star in the... You
1: never know, really.
2: <laughs> I mean, I never... Th- and, and the main reason is because he gives it, He gave it a shot. He tries it. He tries.
1: He yeah, and why, I think that's what it is. And even if you can't fit in with the style, if you can... If
0: you, you know, with survive. actual technical
1: style, if you can still get over and you can still, you know, work with the people... Just do one plunge and you're pretty much over.
0: <laughs> this right? is true. I mean,
2: that's the one thing. That, well, for really big guys, that's the one down. That's what they. That's where they fall apart because they don't want to do anything like that. They want to do all this like beat up uh, the American style. Splash. This is true. This is true. wash match all the time.
1: And I guess I guess maybe this is the part where I should move on to the uh, book I just got done Odessa reading. Odessa's still on the line. What are you talking about? Odessa's still on the line. Well, maybe Odessa. I should ask Odessa. Yeah. By chance, did you read the book on Mildred Burke?
3: I actually I haven't read it, but I flipped through it. I saw it in Border one day last week, and I sat down and I read a couple chapters, and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah,
1: I was pleasantly surprised by it especially when i saw a couple of flaws early on i thought oh dear this might be a rather long read but this really it's funny the two best wrestling books i've read in the last year were both written by people who weren't in the wrestling industry or weren't close to it weren't big fans of it and that was this author here jeff lean and the other was john capoya who wrote the book on gorgeous george uh the gorgeous George book was especially well researched, and man', reading a book about wrestling's history is so different than it was when it, they were written like twenty thirty years ago.
2: Did you ever get that book that one um the good, the bad, and the ugly wasn't that what it what it, what it the one with andre is that the, the
1: one giant? that uh the one with Andre
2: the Giant holding all the women did
1: you ever get that book? <laughs> That was the one out in the eighties, right? Yeah, the eighties. Did you ever get that book? <laughs> I never got that one because I lived that through that it bad. It wasn't you have that to understand bad. that was when the Wrestling Observer was out, and so you could read the Wrestling Observer, then you go pick up a book like that, and you know. It's, yeah, but I was like only
2: like nine years old, dude.
1: Understandable. <laughs> well, that's like in 1980. I remember Rever- Roberta Morgan put out a book called The Main Event, uh-huh. and I was all excited that a mainstream book about wrestling was out. And I was so disappointed when, you know, I, it was no different than the wrestling magazine. I just wrote these little uh, fictional uh, synopsises of wrestlers and their feuds. And they had a feature on Mil Moskowitz, and he talked about the great wrestler in Mexico, El Fonto.
2: You know, it's always funny when you the first books you get are always those Scholastic books. Did you ever get? Did you ever get that? Were there any back when you were a kid? The
1: I'm lessons? sorry. The Scholastic, remember the Scholastic um, books and um, no, nah, there was nothing. You never had absolutely like kind of nothing mainstream about wrestling when I was a child. Nothing, we anywhere. Had the, we had like the Na- Napolitano ones.
2: Remember those that always had like the like the don't go messing with the junkyard dog and it, just,
0: <laughs> and it would
2: be like this long this tall tale about how how he had they would write about all the fictitious stuff that happened to him in a match and then like the post match stuff and I was like it never happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, just, sadly
1: yeah. when I was a kid, if you were a wrestling fan there was no uh, book. Not even like you were yeah. a circus geek. There was nothing. There was yeah. nothing out there for a wrestling fan. It just it was so not mainstream, at least here in Southern California.
2: And in the eighties you always had all those like fictitious books and then like the magazines. Oh, they were horrible. And like nowadays like not even the magazines are that interesting. You can't even find the magazines.
1: Yeah, magazines are pretty much extinct. I mean, hell, newspapers are almost extinct. Yeah. No, but it's, it's great. I mean, I'm much more of a fan of reading wrestling histories now than I am of actually watching wrestling. I mean, these two books, the one on Gorgeous George and Mildred Burke, you never saw somebody put such thorough research into a book. The flaws, I would say, the Jeff Lean book has on Mildred Burke is, are that There were several instances where he kind of relied on wrestling magazines as an actual journalistic source when they were obviously worked stories. Uh, Other than that, though, man, I can't recommend this book more. What I really love, what I really love is so many wrestling histories these days always bring up the promoter Jack Pfeffer. Uh Jack Pfeffer was one of the most eccentric promoters there ever was. I, I used to hear stories about this from old-time wrestlers when I was younger. He was just this really bizarre guy who, you know, loved to make money but didn't love to bathe. Didn't like to clip his fingernails. Very eccentric. Um, wore really nice suits but apparently didn't wash them very frequently. Sounds sounds like your base typical wrestling promoter. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> you can find some like him, but this this guy was ahead of his time. Yeah. I mean. This guy had a little bit of Martin Cardigian in him before Cardigian. This guy thrived on uh, promoting the campiest, strangest you know, wrestling shows. You know, a lot of people liked real technical wrestlers back then. A lot of people liked Luces, Man Mountain Dean, uh, Whiskers Savage. You know, the real technical types, the non gimmickery types. Jack Pfeffer prided himself on freaks. He just loved – one, he loved having knockoffs of other wrestlers. He used to utilize a wrestler called Luquez. (laughs) Yeah, I'm serious. What were some other ones? Uh, Like Hobo Brazil, I think, was another one. (laughs) Hobo Brazil. Yeah. It sounds like
2: something you would do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I would would do something a lot like that. that. I'd I'd make it trippier, though. I don't know. I wouldn't just Johnny do a knockoff Parker. of a name. I'd, I'd do it way out there, as way out as I could. Sounds like an incredibly strange wrestling show. Speaking of which, I talked to Eric Caden today. You did? And Eric Caden of Hollywood Book and Poster. For those of you out there who don't know Eric Caden, he has co-promoted many uh, an incredibly strange wrestling show with Johnny Legend. And he says, Johnny Legend is doing very well these days, working his ass off as always doing 15 things at once. But every time I talk to either Johnny or Eric Caden, my imagination just starts to, you know, just get jump-started. Uh uh-huh. And I think of all the possibilities. I think of the gimmicks we haven't done yet. There was one that uh, our late friend Larry Doyle wanted to do, a wrestler called Count Billy Viagra. Uh, there was going to be Negro Kiss-Ass. Negro Kiss. Yeah, in fact... It, what got over more than any of the matches we've done in Incredibly Strange Wrestling or when Danny Wolf gets on the microphone and announces the wrestlers who will appear on the next, next show, those get a much bigger pop than any of the actual uh, matches on the Incredibly Strange Wrestling show. So when's the next show? We don't know. Oh. You know how it is with uh, I thought he Eric called, and Johnny. Yeah, I thought you'll, he called. you'll have five shows in two months, and then you won't have any shows for four years. <laughs> I thought he called to confirm that you guys were being... We're holding a show, like, within the next two years. I wish. No, I was the one who made the call. Oh, you. you, you it's called Wishful Thinking. It's called Wishful Thinking, hoping that, you know, they'll uh, get on it and start promoting it. Enough. Of course, I guess, if I really wanted to.
2: Yeah, you got the money. Come
1: on, you're low. <laughs> <laughs> Odessa, do you have any money on you?
3: No, and I just had my own recent... Uh failure at perhaps putting on a show that fortunately, early on before any money was actually involved so uh, now
1: was this a wrestling show yeah good good then you're part of the club now you're one of us yeah. where, where was this at
3: um, it would have been around here I mean it was, it was something that never really got far some friends and I had liked that we used to watch it when we were kids Teachers, like we're all turned like, we'll all be turning 40 next year. So, we thought, hey, you know people in business, let's put on a show. Yeah. Kind
1: of a midlife crisis you know, maybe move? Try
3: and book some, yeah, a midlife crisis kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we've all done so,
2: that.
3: Yeah, we, we, like, talked to a couple of people, and things really weren't going... Like, we all were on the same page, so as of now, probably not going to happen, but... It was a fun month, so I like, you know a fancy book in your head, yeah. yeah
1: that's that's even more fun than actually promoting a show is is I, the I, angles and the characters you can come up with in your own mind, I mean your imagination can be a wonderful place to vacation in
2: I think I think we got scared away by Superboy, right? <laughs> and He told us basically how much we'd lose,
1: yeah, we, yeah, we sat down with Superboy and we were planning to do a lucha show and. He was kind of going over the realities of stuff, and he is probably being conservative about it. And we are I mean, kind of well, like, well, do we really <laughs> want to do this? <laughs>
2: he was he was giving us like the indie low level. Let you get guys, you pay guys, you pay, you get some guys for free because of experience.
1: Yeah, and, I mean that was like what three grand?
2: When yeah, that sounds best. about
1: right. And, and then, you know that's it, even paying guys low in the openers. Yeah, not paying some guys,
2: and then we didn't <laughs> even get to the insurance
1: part. Oh, I think that's the held. It. Everything
2: that's, that everything that held us back was like trying to figure out insurance. Yes, I think that's the one thing that we're. really
3: well, it take. was like, I'm friends with people who like just promote like uh, interspecies wrestling ran a show. last Week in Connecticut. This was like huh. their first show in America.
1: Wait, wait. You know, you, and, you just cut. You just cut out there for a minute. Did you just say interspecies wrestling? <laughs> yeah. Did. Oh my it, God, that's awesome. It, it,
3: yeah, I'll say I'll I'll send you some links. This is so up your alley, Kurt. You'd love oh. it. Oh I can oh I can taste
1: you. <laughs> yeah, please send me links to this. Well you know but what my anyways, dream was. so I'm sorry, what? go ahead Odessa.
3: <laughs> oh, I was going to say and, like when I asked how much it like it was going to roughly be and they told me I was like, Well, that's cheaper than I thought I would have expected. Yeah. And so that's sort of where the germ for us maybe doing a show came from. Because like, when I worked in the business, you know, I never got anywhere near, because I was, like, very low total totem pole, and I was, like, a gopher, and I wrote the programs and stuff like that. So, like, I actually heard, like, money involved. Like, when they told me how much it was, and I was like, ooh, I was expecting much more. So, you know, and so it goes.
1: Yeah, well, and also, I had the luxury of, Uh, working for so many different promoters and I saw so many people piss away so much money and with, with different with different uh viewpoints some were really optimistic about it with a lot of hope some were grumbling the more money they lost every week but I saw so many people throw so much money away and I thought man you really I don't know you really have to have your shit together I think you have to have not just a lot of savvy but you have to have a an eye out for shifty people, which, you know, I think I'm better
2: than some, but I'm not as good as others. Well, you know, the other thing that, I kind, of, that kind of scared me away was um, all the no-shows at wrestling That shows. doesn't scare me, really. Well, I mean, recently, I mean, have you seen some of the cards lately? Some of the, in L.A.? Just in L.A., there's, like, guys who you wouldn't even know. Like
1: from like yeah, well, you know, that's the only way I'd promote a wrestling show. I'd yeah, promote like, shows with people nobody knows. I
2: wouldn't. I, I think I would just create the gimmicks, and then look, if somebody, I could get somebody have the guy work under that gimmick, and that'd be it. Exactly, that's a, exactly the idea. You know, because yeah. I mean, there's not enough. There's like a lot of guys. Like all of a sudden, you have like all these different names showing up on um, AWS and all these other promotions around the area. I well,
1: I, here in Southern California, one of the problems is every promo, indie promotion, looks like the other. They use the same wrestlers. Yeah. They, they don't do anything different, and they all have really good work at rate. But when you have you know, a dozen shows in one week where the work rate's good, it nothing stands out. You should do something different than another promotion. Like we were saying the other week. Don't try to outwork the wrestlers in PWG because you're not going to do it. Just do something different. Find a different audience. And Kid Norteño left, so that pretty much was Yeah, it. no more Kid Norteño. So. Yeah, that pretty much killed our buzz. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the the flags at Arena Pero Aguayo are flying at half-mast. He must
2: be held somewhere in Mexico. <laughs> and <across the>
0: border <laughs> I would love there. to know
2: where Kid Norteño is.
0: I, I mean, like Dr. Kid Norteño.
2: Maybe Dr. Lucha will find out. I
1: if he couldn't find him, nobody could. Yeah, well, that'll be his next assignment. Oh,
2: I think Odessa's gone.
1: Oh, did we lose Odessa? No, he's still here.
3: Am I gone? Nope, you're no, you're here. here. You're with us. You're still
2: here. Don't die on us, no,
3: man. What I What else to say is that one of the things that we wanted to do was like bring in at least one luchador, and so Steve had like been doing some of the. Dirty work about finding out prices and blah 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 like that. Uh-huh. And when we were sitting at the Padres game, I was he was like, "Well, who would you like?" And I said, "Well, you know, in a perfect world, you know, I'd like X or Y." And then he starts going, "Oh, don't the last time they were in the states, they did this and this and this and this." And I was just like, <laughs> "Are you he was talking about me their first
1: stories? Are you talking about their uh, like misbehavior they engaged in?"
3: Yes, like, Yep. he almost didn't make the show because he got out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. Well,
1: and then like I got, like... Dan Farron and Larry Doyle were promoting a show where the main event was uh, Ultraman vs. Sabu. Everything went smoothly, except Ultraman, like, right before the show started, uh, just came up and said, I want more money. And uh, Dan Dan was really smooth. I, I give it to Dan. Dan just kind of said, well, you know what? We have a lot of guys who would love to wrestle Sabu here, so if you can't do it, you can't do it. <laughs> and suddenly he stopped asking for more money.
3: <laughs> well, I also know that last year that, like, Chikara ran in Chicago, and one of the things that ended up hurting them was because they had booked Oriental to you know, work either another luchador or somebody and, you know, he just didn't didn't get on the plane. Yeah. You know, he took whatever other booking he had that day in Mexico. So, you know, they had budgeted X, and suddenly, you know, there's this huge hole.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of wrestlers. I mean, no, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's several luchadores who Kurt, will take Kurt, a what, down payment from pe- people and just Kurt, not what, show up.
2: Kurt, what, what did we say when we were with Superboy? Mexicans are lazy, right?
0: What? <laughs> I never
1: said that. Used-
2: Remember we said that Mexicans are lazy.
0: <laughs> I
2: brought up the fact that Mexicans are lazy. They're they're really they I don't know what it is about like the lot of us I'll I'll include myself. Wait, wait, are you saying I said that? No, you didn't say it. Superboy and me mentioned how lazy Mexicans are Oh Okay,
1: okay. I was gonna Remember say I never I said such you. a thing. <laughs>
2: no, you didn't say it. We we said it.
1: We, we got gotcha. you. How,
2: how Mexicans are really like for business, I mean they don't really they don't have a business sense to them. To them, sometimes they don't. It's hard to figure out how they do their business.
1: Well, I think it extends. Uh, I, I think that goes beyond just the. Uh, uh, Plus, they're wrestlers too. So <laughs> wrestlers. See, that's what I was going to say. It goes beyond that's that true. issue. Is is? I mean, you know, I I, I know. I'm, wrestlers aren't supposed to say this about the Brotherhood yeah. and all this, but they're shifty people. There's scores of shifty people in this yeah,
2: business. And they're everywhere.
1: Yeah. I just
2: think that I was just, like you know. Go ahead, go ahead.
3: No, I was going to say that like one of the problems that we encountered were, you know, I know you know a decent number of promoters, uh-huh. and it was like when I went to the couple who I knew were sort of upstanding and you know trusted, and what didn't work with them I was like, well, it's not like I really want to try and work, you know, with somebody that I've only you know heard of or never met. So it's like I'd almost rather not do it than risk, you know, what sort of horrible thing could happen with yeah. somebody I didn't trust. Oh uh, yeah.
2: Well, that's 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 where that was like our my final question. Wasn't that my final question to you, Kurt? If you knew anybody, if you knew anybody who we could trust? <laughs> <laughs> Let me Shiroba? think.
1: Well, you know what,
2: sure. Superboy. <laughs> so, and, and that was the only one, because we were mentioning like all these promoters we had met. Over the last couple of years, and we're like, no, no. I wouldn't trust any of them.
1: I mean, even there's there's promoters and there's wrestlers I met that I liked, and there's a yeah. very small handful that I would trust. But so once very the business thing, I think the only one I kind of would
2: trust because I've actually had a a business agreement with was on Bart. But even yeah, Bart. Yeah. Even then, I wouldn't know because he's. Not, I mean, he's he struggles. I mean.
1: Oh, he struggled. Well, that's one thing. Is another thing is every promoter's going to struggle. I think you yeah. really have to have a passion for it. I mean, Bart's been doing it for 10 years and I got to salute the guy. I mean, and, and he struggled really He good struggled the whole time. time. Yeah, he he had a difficult time this past year, or so. And it's it's kind of a drag when you see somebody who gets into it with a passion and a zest for it and then 10 years later they seem cynical and burnt out. I mean, somebody, yeah, I mean, I know is Jeff Walton who worked for the uh, LaBelle office for years uh-huh. and he's one of the nicest and most generous people I've ever met but I feel kind of bad because he he reminisces on those times half uh, sentimentally but mostly cynically I mean I'm sure he went in there this wide-eyed kid you know just dreaming of the world of pro wrestling and then you know <laughs> it is what
2: it is Yeah, it always, they just end up hating it you
1: know yeah I mean, and I think that's why I never wanted to get into it full time. Is I've always loved the ambience of pro wrestling. I've, you know, I, I dig it from a very immature standpoint. I dig it from a very smart standpoint.
2: I still think we should run a show where it's like
1: all like like uh,
2: what I was telling you that one time about making it more um, comedic type thing or
1: whatever. You know.
2: That wouldn't be hard. Yeah, something that isn't like taken so seriously
1: oh that's the first thing is i is if i was ever going to book a show and i had full creative control first thing i do is i wouldn't take it seriously at all because i mean there's really
2: no point in losing but then again you're going to lose money you're still going to hate it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly you'd
1: yeah i mean well it's like i said i'm from the martin car de and jack zephyr school with the most more surreal it is the better it is kurt we got to discuss nazis and wrestling. Nazis in wrestling. Yeah, I mean... Who, well, I, I guess it should be mentioned, I believe yesterday was the passing of one of the first wrestlers who did the uh, Nazi gimmick for Kurt Von Hess.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, I believe he was 90. He had been sick. I believe he had Alzheimer's for some time. I actually met him about 20 years back. Very spry, very nice guy. Um, I, met him, I met him at a... At Slammers of all places, when they're having a little function for some of the retired wrestlers. And I think he was around 71 or 72, and he actually did a couple of moves with uh, a wrestler called The Beast, actually took a couple of bumps for him. <laughs> that impressed the hell out of us. Who was The Beast? The Beast was a guy named Randy Neverman, who was an indie wrestler here in Southern California for a very short time, maybe two or three years. He did a couple of, WW, of WWF-TV tapings under his name, Randy Neverman. Wow. And he actually got to tour uh, FMW under the name The Beast.
2: And he gave up that soon?
1: <laughs> yeah, he was wise. He was a smart yeah.
2: man. He <laughs> smartened up right away. Yeah, he,
1: he he was a CPA. He could make a lot more um, money and a bet, more, much more steady living doing he's... that. He lives in Florida, last I hear, and I oh. hope he's doing well because he was a nice guy. Now that that's what I've heard. Like a lot of wrestlers
2: nowadays, the older guys, they'll bring up about like when they ask when younger pe- younger people ask them what if they should go in that they want to get into wrestling, and they always bring up get a get an education first.
1: Yeah, that's the they, truth. Then <laughs>
2: I mean, or at least
1: find something else that can sustain you, because wrestling, you know, the odds are against you, and the, yeah. you know if everything hits the fan. It, I mean, look at all the injuries guys get these days. Constant. It's nice to know that you have something to fall back on. Like, but, but it's always hurt. Yeah, well, you were asking about Nazis. Yeah, Nazis. Well, the most direct the most blatant gimmick of somebody who was a Nazi was Lucha Libre's El Nazi. Yeah, Nazi. A guy named Ignacio Ruiz who retired, I believe in the late 80s. Wow. But in the 60s and 70s uh yeah, I think he even held some titles, if I remember right. right. I think he, I think he held the light heavyweight title, the one, you know, the one that guys like Alfonso Dantes and Raul Mata held. Um, Nazis in wrestling. There's a ton of them, and okay. if they're still For doing Gerin the gimmick, bon- that, that's sad. <laughs> Baron Von Rasky. I think Baron Von Boy, there's one guy. There's one of the few guys to become a babyface Nazi. You know, being I'll a Nazi. Think. <laughs>
2: Is he the only goose stepping babyface ever? Must be. I think so, right? I mean, oh, Bob Backlund kind of did that, didn't he? Like, <laughs> kind of did the
1: slightly goose stepped
2: Something like that.
1: Well, it. the wrestler in Mexico actually had a move called the swastika. Yeah. Was which was similar to that octopus hole that Anoki did. Well,
2: it's famous now for the Viano three match, the swastika. Is that was, the same? He, is that the same move? Yeah, isn't it? He he would grab the leg.
1: Yes, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, Viano three.
2: That's the move he used on Atlantis.
1: Ah.
2: To win the light heavyweight title, I think.
1: Now, as you can tell, I missed that match.
2: <laughs> Did you missed that match. That was like in two thousand. <laughs> Probably one of the best runs ever for Viano.
1: Well, I did see the mask
2: match. You know I wouldn't miss that. Yeah. Well, I gave you that, didn't I? Or did Bob... Yes, Arnett you did. That was like that. when we first knew each other. Yeah, I think that was like the like the first year, wasn't
1: it? It was, yes, yeah.
2: yes. That was a I think I told you when you called me that one time. I was like, I got the Viano mask. Viano I was like, tell you, um, I even wrote down... Uh, well, Ro- Rob wanted to know if you've seen The Vangelist. I have not seen Vangelist.
1: How could you not see it?
2: That? Oh, that's true. You, you don't watch you never watch the FSC show.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a message to anybody out there. If you have something uh, that I should see, please send me a link, send me a DVD. My email address is Liger, that's L-Y-G-E-R, at A-O-L dot com. Kurt doesn't mind begging. I do but not Kurt- mind begging. I'm proud to beg. But you know the funny thing about Vangelis?
2: He, d- he was doing that gimmick as a Nazi. And he was part of the, the what was that team, what was that faction called, uh, the Warriors? Mm-hmm. That with AAA? And he did, the, he did the Nazi gimmick, and there was another guy who did a sailor gimmick, and another guy who did a gladiator. And there were strippers.
1: That's how, I, I was going to say, I, w- I wasn't even thinking strippers, I was thinking something out of, like, you know, Honcho Magazine. But so he was actually the first stripping Nazi, and before I <laughs> keep going,
2: Dr.
0: Lucha's back online now.
1: Is that Dr. Lucha?
0: Yep, he's back. Yes, it's getting near the end of the show, so. <laughs> I'm, still <laughs> waiting. I'm still waiting for Fredo's Triple Mania 17 recap.
2: I know, seriously, when am I ever going to do that? It took me like two two weeks just to go through the whole
0: show. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was that like the most unusual match you have ever seen with Wagner and Macias? Masai- it like totally didn't belong in that promotion.
2: I know, seriously, I, it kind of felt like it was Triple H versus, um, who was that, Randy Orton? For some yeah. <laughs> certain points in the match, I was like Triple H versus Randy Orton again. But you know what I hate about that match is like when the announcers start counting the telling you the time, because you know it's gonna go long. And I mean that's what that's what it kind of.
0: That's <laughs> well, the, that, I got I got really tired of the overhead views after a while. The, the, yeah. You know the over the ring cameras was like you know. It was it was going they were going overboard with that. And sure enough, that's what that's what camera they were on when he went to the finish.
2: And that's when I was, I was kind of hoping they'd break away to a, a, one of those crowd shots.
0: <laughs> so what did you think of that show?
2: The whole show I actually liked. I actually thought it was really good. For some reason, I actually enjoyed it.
0: Is there anywhere a fan can get it? If I he wants to take you to look at it?
2: Yeah, com.
0: Since, since we need to say, say that before, before 8 o'clock Pacific time. There you that's go. That's right.
1: Slam Bam Jam, Jam has the coolest uh, uh, collection of DVDs. Including save to save the day again. Including I haven't seen the actual D V D yet, but they have the original El Cobarde in Japan. Or the get change El Nazi tapes. For DVDs? <laughs> like I said, you have to go to Honcho magazine for those. I think we've got to do like a best of um Oh,
2: now we're getting the ninety second.
1: Oh, ninety seconds. And I want to tell everybody to check out standtheembryo.com. Um, we have we gotta plug on um, Dr. Lucha and Odessa Steps stuff um, first. Yes, Odessa Steps. Plug plug your site.
3: Um, it's easier just to go to odessasteps.com. Uh, everything be able to all the other various uh, mini blogs that I have. So just go there. These way.
1: Okay, and thank you for calling. It was great to finally get to talk to you.
3: Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
1: And Steve Sims, when will be your next appearance?
3: Um,
0: I can can fairly say that Odessa Steps is a great person not to go to Lucha Libre with.
1: (laughs) So you know what? We'll all have to have a get-together here in Southern California where we all get together and not go to wrestling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I have nothing to plug. You guys plug.
1: You, you know you know what, what Rob Bihar
2: is going to get pissed that we had Dr. Lucha on the show and he didn't talk about Lucha again.
0: That
1: will be hey, the hey. tease. Dr. Lucha, hey. we have to have you on again very soon. Can we do well, that? Where he talks yeah. about Lucha. In Absolutely. Fact, you know what I was going to propose? I uh, I was switching channels last night, and on LATV they had El Santo contra el Cerebro mal. And I thought we should uh, sometime, the three of us, do a sort of a Rene Cardona retrospective on not only all the Santo and Blue Demon films, but the other extremely disturbing children's films he's made in Mexico.
0: (laughs) That er that would be something.
1: Have you guys ever seen his version of Santa Claus?
3: I was just about to ask you if that was the guy who made the Santa Claus movie that was on Mystery Science Theater.
1: Yes, and it's much better without i mean i love mystery science theater but it's better without those guys on it i I, i'll never forget i saw it the first thing i did was i duped it sent a copy to ron head and ron head immediately called me and said what the fuck did you send me am i on lsd tonight or what (laughs) and coming from ron head that speaks highly of renee cardona so um Let's do that soon, guys. So slambamjam.com, that's Fredo's site. It totally rocks. You can get almost everything there. Uh, Standtheembryo.com, where you can find all sorts of little uh, interesting, you know, timeline references. A lot of shallow literature. And uh, my brain's too buzzed to say anything. Uh,
0: very literate now. It's arguably the, the most eclectic list of iPod shuffles. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, I do have chocolate thought. I, I've been debating whether or not to send you one of mine, but at that point you might actually stop talking to me.
1: No, please do. I must see them. Yeah, Dr. Lucha, I think you know I would only respect you
0: all the more. <laughs> it, is, it is very eclectic. It's got country. It's got... Classical. It's got comedy. It's got like Bob Valvano shows from ESPN. It's like it's way all all over the map. You must, you must do not,
1: (laughs) do not hold back. Please send it, please. (laughs) Okay, people out there, thank you so much, my babies, for calling in. This is Vandal Drummond, Alfredo Esparza, Doctor Lucha Steve Sims, and the fabulous Odessa Steps. Thank you guys for joining, and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Bye.